0: Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God.
1: Today, we're going to be discussing suffering in God versus suffering in the world. Now, we all suffer, do we not? We all go through trials and tribulations. We all are tested. We all have faced obstacles in the past, and will face obstacles in the future, Lord willing, if we have another day here. We are, uh, by virtue of living in this broken world, uh, a people that suffers. You know, think about the word Christian. What does it mean? It means Christ-like. So that means that if Christ suffered, and we are to be Christ like, then we must suffer. And yet, we wonder is it something we did? Are we being punished for this suffering we, we receive? We wonder if it could be uh, just mistakes that we've made and we've, we've gone afar off, and sometimes that could be. But oftentimes, we haven't done anything wrong. Think about it Jesus suffered, He was perfect and sinless, and yet He suffered. So there are times that we suffer and we haven't done anything wrong, but God wants us to suffer. Why? Why would a loving, holy God want us, his people, the born-again Christian, to suffer? Well, that's a great question. And I believe, and the Bible backs this up, that when we suffer, it develops traits in us that cannot be forged any other way. So you realize that the potter working with that clay, molding that clay, that that it has to be shaped in a certain way, and it has to be broken down and softened and and sculpted. And sometimes we need to be broken down. We need to be humbled. We need to go through times where, where there's nowhere we can turn but to God, but to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to get our way, uh, get away from the the carnal things of this world. Get away from uh, the 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 things that bog us down and keeping up with the Joneses and you know the coveting that often comes with living in this world, we need to get away from that and close to the Father. And when we do that, we realize that our suffering is truly to make us more fit for the kingdom. And today we're going to spend a little time talking about suffering in God versus in the world. And firstly, I want to address the idea that we can choose how we suffer, uh, for and in Him or for and in the world. And we can, in a way, make our suffering more productive in that we are rewarded instead of punished for it. I want you to think about that today. We can be rewarded for suffering well for Jesus Christ, or we can be punished for going into the world, uh, touching the hot oven, so to speak, and getting burnt and dealing with suffering that way. I mean, truly, there's suffering both in God and in the world. Uh, You know, people believe, okay, well, if I just was afar off from God, I could live in sin and and be happy ever after. No, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Look, when you live in sin, when you have that lust and then that conceives into sin and you let into that temptation and, and you go after these desires of the flesh, it leads to consequences, grave consequences, and people in the world, they suffer, amen, they suffer and suffer and suffer. It's not like they don't. But if we choose to live for the Lord, then we know our suffering is not in vain. Amen? 1 Corinthians 11.31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Well, what does that mean? If we should judge ourselves, we should not be judged. This is dealing with the idea that if we look inward, uh, based on our Holy Spirit discernment of the scriptures, if we're spending time in God's word, and we're spending time around the things of the Lord, and we are getting into what God would have us get into when it comes to studying the scriptures and listening to uh, preaching and spending time in prayer and fellowship with the Lord, then we're going to know right from wrong. We're going to know biblically uh, great truths that we read in the Bible, not just in the book of Proverbs or Psalms where many people will spend time or throw it on a calendar or a, a poster or something or a picture, but we'll really get to know the character of God through his holy word uh, and, and so when we look at the word and we understand the character of God, then we understand how we should live and we realize what the Bible calls us to do to love our brother uh, and, and, and to do that, uh, you know, charitably and unbelievably the word agape with true love and, and uh, devotion, not some kind of shallow love or not some kind of idea that we're trying to get something in return, but true love. When we do these things. We know we're blessed for it. And conversely, when we live uh, for ourselves, then we can be judged for. So if we sh- if we would judge ourselves, right? Okay, we judge ourselves. Then we should not be judged by who? By God, because we're judging ourselves first, knowing that uh, if we have you know, sin, that we can go to him and repent. And we do that and we get right with God. And then knowing to stay away from these things, having that, that ability, that restraint, if you would. And if we have that, then we should not be judged. And what that means uh, is that God we're doing the, the judging based upon God's word. And so he wouldn't have to judge us. And conversely, if we're out in the world and instead of judging ourselves, we're living for ourselves, he certainly can uh, get the rod and the staff and whoop us back into shape and he will judge us. Amen. Uh, so this means if if we do the judging righteous by God's principles found in His Word discerned by the Holy Spirit in us we will not he- need Him to judge us in these matters. Uh, if we fall short and choose to live a life of sin and transgression, then we will face God's judgment here and in the next life. Suffering is a part of life for all humans but we must choose to suffer in God or the world because God won't have you to try to live both ways. It is a choice we absolutely will make. First Peter 3:17 through 18, for it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Verse 18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So just to go over this b- verse in First Peter 3, 17 through 18, for it is better if the will of God be so. Okay, so the idea here is it is better if God so chooses. It's God's will uh, being done here. If he so chooses that you suffer for well-doing than evil-doing, right? So if God is going to allow you to suffer, it's better to suffer for well-doing. Why? Because Christ also suffered for sins, right? Not his own. That's why it says the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Let's take a minute to pray over this text verse. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for anyone that's uh, listening out there, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord, for another day uh, in your word, studying your word, getting to understand your word. And we're so thankful that you give us wisdom and knowledge, Lord, about how we can live for you and how we can be happy even in the midst of great suffering. I just ask you to be with uh, myself as I preach and the listeners here, uh, open up their hearts and their minds, Lord, and apply this word to their hearts, Lord, and, and, and give it, sear it into our conscience, Lord. K- keep it deep within us, Lord. Let us hide it in our heart, Lord, so we understand how we should live for you in the midst of suffering, in the midst of this broken and dying world, Lord, until you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. So firstly, suffering in the world, what does it look like? Well, first of all, what are people suffering from in the world? I alluded to it in the introduction. People are suffering from evil doing. Well, what does that mean? They're suffering from sin. So think about this. If you're living in the world, if you're living a carnal life, if you are about the things of this world, then you are engaging in sin. It could be blatant sin. You could be getting drunk every night. You could be having an affair. You could be stealing from your boss. Or it could be uh, more sin that people don't oftentimes realize as sin, like uh, again mentioned coveting in the introduction could be even gossiping, evil speaking, murmuring. These things are very much a sin to the Lord. I mean, murmuring and and such is put up there with murdering uh, in the Bible as a sin. So evil speaking, gossiping, things that are totally acceptable in the world's eyes and completely unacceptable in God's eyes. That's what it's like living in the world. These sins that, like I said, maybe people wouldn't initially point out as a sin are happening. The carnality is happening, engaging in the things of the world. I mean, think about it. If you go to see any kind of movie, any kind of Hollywood movie, listen to any kind of um, popular music that's that's not Christian, I mean, you go through all of these things, and what you see is it is sin. And so what happens when you engage in sin? What's the wages of sin? Death, amen. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. People may believe they're having a little bit of fun, but it always ends up being Death, being um, fatal, having a major problem come. And so that's what suffering in the world looks like. Lust cannot be satisfied. I mean, think about this. Lust cannot be satisfied. So we have a world where people are sinning, and then what happens? They're trading prayers, because they're living in the world, for thoughts, which are powerless and hopeless. Think about this. Uh, you know, if you, you it's political season, and you'll see uh, some politicians that. Uh, don't have a a uh, Christian background or are or, or of the liberal persuasion. They might say things like, uh, well, you're in my thoughts, or I'm sending thoughts to you. Well, what does that mean? It's powerless and hopeless. So the lust of the flesh cannot be satisfied. The sin leaves the, the sinner empty. The world continues to spin out of control and decay morally. And then there's nowhere to go because instead of sending prayers that could be answered, to an almighty God, you are just sending thoughts out into the air. So you have no recourse for it. So it's just a cycle of suffering. There's no true peace to be found. And there's pain in ignoring the fate of this world and all that worship it. And think about this. When you live in the world and you live in this sick cycle of sin that never seems to end, where do you turn? You turn to ignorance. You turn to... Uh, the modern media or science or academia, and they can't explain anything. The world is supposed to be better off. There's more knowledge than there's ever been. And yet the world seems to be continuously getting worse and suffering continues to abound. And in this world, that suffering exists. It's not like I said, it's not like living for the world. You're exempt from suffering. It's just pointless suffering. It's suffering for the sake of just being a far off from God or being at an enmity to God uh, that's what the bible calls sin right and so you have this deep division or chasm between the sinner living in the world and God almighty that can give that sinner peace and hope and and regeneration and a new life and and a new uh, spirit within them. uh, They're just spiritually dead out there. And this applies both to those that are unsaved and also those that have been saved and are backslid because the Bible tells us that uh, a a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It also tells us that he that is not for me is against me. So the backslid Christian is in this lot as well. And suffering in the world looks pretty pathetic Uh, And God gives us Christians, those that have been saved, Holy Spirit discernment to understand these principles, to understand this idea that it's pointless, it's fruitless to live in the world. And you say, well, Brother Clark, why are you getting into it so deep? Because so many choose to. Uh, Look at the church houses today. Look at, uh, you know, look at at, at anywhere you go. Look at a store on a Sunday. Typically, uh, even the stores and the restaurants are more crowded than the church houses. Why? Because people are just engaging in uh, what their own desires, and and they're bowing down to their idol of materialism uh, and so forth. And it's not wrong to... you know, go to the store or go to the restaurant, but it is wrong when that takes the place of your relationship with God. Amen. There's no peace in this world when you are serving these false gods, when you are committing spiritual adultery, when you have a place in your heart uh, above God with all of these other things. And, And that is the problem we face today. And that suffering, again, is needless and pointless and very bleak. The last thing I'll say about it, have you ever been to a lost person's funeral? That's one of the saddest places you can ever go. I've had family that, have, that is, to my best of my knowledge, been lost, and I have had to attend their funeral, and it is gut-wrenching because, truly, they have no hope. They'll tell you they have no hope, and it's all a bunch of just very sad, sad, depressing moments for these people because they suffered in the world, and now they're gone, and we don't know anything more. And yet, as a Christian, we suffer, but we suffer so differently.
0: You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them, trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message.
1: So how does the Christian suffer? How do we suffer in God if we're not suffering in the world? What does this look like? Well, we'll start with what are we suffering for? Christians, you're suffering for well-doing. How? By living apart from this world in the ways and commandments of Christ our Savior. Think about this. Matthew 16, 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake, shall find it. That's Jesus Christ speaking. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So what does that mean? That means that we are well-doing as Christians, and we are living not for ourselves. This is the idea of taking up our cross every day. This is the idea of crucifying those fleshly desires that we all have in this mortal body, in this fleshly form. And even when we're saved and we get the Holy spirit living within us, uh, even when we are about the the ways and the things of God, we still are affected by this body. We are still tempted as Jesus was tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted, uh, but we're still tempted and we still have uh, uh, desires that are, that are carnal in nature. Right. And we have to crucify them as Christians and we have to live for Christ. What does that look like? That looks like, you know, if you're in college, it looks like not going to the fraternity party and not drinking and not getting involved in fornication and not cheating on the test and not using foul language. If you're an adult, it looks like not going to the happy hour with the people from work and not going to that movie with the filthy language in it that blasphemes God and not watching that sitcom at night and not going to that wine bar and going on and on and on. It is a lot of nots. When we're in this world, it's a lot of things we don't do. We don't participate in them. And so what does that lead to? That leads to well-doing. Again, as I mentioned in the introduction, that leads to a Christ-like behavior where we are living in suffering because our savior suffered so much more than we ever could. And so we are living like him. And we're not just saying, oh, glory, hallelujah, we love you, Lord, and then going off and indulging in every desire we have, we're saying, Glory, Hallelujah, we love you, Lord. Let us show you how through our actions. The book of James says that faith without works is dead. When we live for the Lord, we need to be about our Father's business. Have you ever met a Christian that said they loved the Lord, that said they were saved, and their conduct painted a much different picture? I have. And what you see here time and time again is this scripture, Matthew 16, 25. I mean, do you believe Jesus meant it? I do. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So when we lose our lives for Christ's sake, again, all those no's, all those uh, set-aparts, all of those uh, times that we put ourselves away from the things of this world, and no matter whatever shame or reproach it may bring i was at a graduation um uh, get together not too long ago and there was a large family over there from my wife's side and uh, they were getting pretty rowdy and they were mocking me for not being not wanting to touch any alcohol not touching alcohol and they were all laughing and i looked around and i thought to myself This is a, I mean, it's a kind of a silly example. It doesn't bother me that much. I've been doing it for years, but this is an example of suffering for Christ. Is it not, you know, being mocked because I'm a Christian and the Bible clearly tells us to be of a sober mind. Amen. And so here I am, uh, 40 years young and I won't go near it. Amen. I won't touch it. And I, and I'll, you know, if they give me a chance, I'm gonna get up on my soapbox and I'm going to praise Jesus. And that's why I usually don't get invited to these kind of things. Amen. They don't want to hear about it. So we suffer persecution. But again, it's a silly example. Uh, And, and please pray for that uh, side of the family. You know, I, I, I pray for them often. I love, I love every one of those folks. And I pray because I look at them with pity. I look at them saying, Lord, please save them before you come back. Lord, please. Oh my Lord, please save them. So be praying for them. Amen. But this is an example of what it's like living as a Christian, what it's like to lose this carnal worldly life and gain true life with Jesus. And there's comfort in knowing the suffering isn't indicative of any wrongdoing on our part. Jesus was perfect, and he suffered much affliction. Just think about how much affliction Jesus suffered. Think of how much problems, for lack of a better word, came Jesus' way. I mean, he was criticized for healing people on the Sabbath. I mean, he was criticized for saying he was the Son of God when he was and is. Uh, he was uh, mocked and spit upon at the crucifixion. He died a death more brutal than any death has ever happened. Uh, he was forced to drink that bitter cup of sin. He was uh, just abandoned by many people uh, after he performed miracles and when he told them what it would take to follow him. He suffered so much. And yet, he carried on because he was doing and is doing the Father's will. Amen. He was doing everything the Father had called him to do. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, amen, was living out God's plan for him on earth. And he did it with great obedience. And that's kind of a hidden message here. Suffering in God, you know what it looks like? It looks like obedience. It looks like obedience to God. Amen. And there's comfort in knowing our end comfort in knowing the creator comfort in this idea that we don't send thoughts when things go wrong we don't sit there and pick up a philosophy book when there's a problem we pray amen we approach the throne boldly amen we can go to our god you know the bible says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. I believe this with all my heart. When we're living for the Lord. We're sold out for God. When we wake up praising him, when we spend our days in prayer, uh, when we are living for him wholly and fully, when we're fully repentant of our sins, he will hear our prayers. I believe that. I believe he will especially hear our prayers. Amen. And be close to us. The Bible says, draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you. I believe this with all my heart. We're serving God. We're living for God. Even when we're suffering for God, He is near us. Amen. And there's great comfort in that. There's great comfort in this idea that we know our end. We know the the you know the Bible says God knew the end from the beginning. We know through the Bible, through God's holy word, through much prophecy, through all of the scriptures, we know what is to come. And we know it is great blessing for the christian there's no condemnation for those that are in christ amen for the saved we know what we're headed for we're headed for glory amen we're headed for a place where there's no pain there's no sadness there's there's no sorrow there's there's no cheating and stealing there's no sin period so there's comfort in the creator and there's comfort in this idea that prayer can lead to resolutions to suffering do you believe that today I believe that. I believe that our prayers not only are heard, but oftentimes answered. Amen. I believe it. Just like I mentioned, my lost family members, I believe if I pray, if you pray, I believe no matter what religion they are, no matter how far off they are from God, they can and will be saved if it's God's will. Amen. And through our prayers, through our petitioning of God, the father, we can make a difference. Amen. Things can happen. Prayer can move mountains. Don't stop believing that that's what it's like suffering for God. So we suffer in the world, it's hopeless, it's fruitless, it's inevitable. We suffer in God, we are just the clay getting molded. If it's God's will, you know, as this text verse said, if it be so, if it is God's will that we suffer, then, then that's what we should do. We should count it in honor. Later on uh, in First Peter, uh, the scripture mentions that it should be. we should be joyful e- even in suffering. We should be joyful in our affliction because we know that we have God, amen? We know we have the true living God, not just on the outside, not just intellectually in our mind, but we have God living in our hearts, amen? That should make you get up and shout, amen. That is fantastic. We have God living within us. The Holy Spirit is living within us. Even Jesus told the disciples that he had to go after he'd been resurrected so that he could send the comforter. So there's great comfort in the creator. There's great comfort in prayer. There's great comfort in knowing that our Lord is able to deliver us from all kinds of problems and issues that we suffer in the world. And you know, as Paul mentioned, this suffering in this world, it doesn't compare to what awaits us in the next. And that is if you, friend, have ever lived in the world and you have lived for the Lord, then you know what I'm talking about here. It doesn't even compare to suffer in the world is hopeless and frustrating beyond you know, imagination to suffer for God is fruitful. It builds patience. It builds faith. It builds character. It refines us. It makes us who we are. Look at the great men of God in in your life. Great men and women of God in your life. Look at the great men and women of God of the past. Did they suffer? Oh my goodness. Did they suffer? They suffered much affliction. You know, um, when Paul uh, was blinded on, on the road to Damascus, he was told, uh, he's going to have to suffer great things for God. And he did, of course, many imprisonments and beatings and eventual martyrdom for God. And we all have have, uh, ideas and things we can remember, times uh, that we remember great suffering, amen? And so what we need to know is that this is what God does to prune that tree, to mold us, to sculpt us, to make us who he'd have us to be, in jesus christ our lord and i will say this i believe that this also this suffering and i believe scripture backs this up time and time again even just in in first peter that as we face suffering here in this life it will give us great context in the next life so what we go through here we won't go through there And we'll be so glad that we are no longer suffering there. And so the things that we deal with here that are difficult and hard and heartbreaking, when we get to heaven, it will make heaven that much more sweeter. It'll make heaven that much more beautiful. It'll make heaven that much more uh, respected by us because we realize the, the penalty of sin. We realize the fate of, of mankind without the Lord Jesus Christ. We realize these things, and in heaven, it gives us great context. I believe that. I believe we will be able to have some idea of what we endured here for the Lord. And then when we're in heaven, it'll give us great context. Uh, It'll also give us great reward. Will it not? It'll give us great reward. As we suffer for the Lord here, not only do we have the Lord near, not only do we have the Lord to help us resolve issues and resolve the suffering, but we also, or at least allow us to endure it, uh, or we also have, another thing to think about is we have great rewards that we earn here. Think about what can we take to heaven with us when we die. We can't take uh, something we saved a bunch of money for or something uh, that's material. We can't take those things, but we can take what we did for the Lord Uh, through the Holy Spirit working within us. So what Jesus did through us for the Lord, we can take that to heaven and we get rewards. We, We get crowns in heaven, a crown of life, the crown of righteousness. We get crowns in heaven. We get great rewards. And who's given us that reward? Think about it. Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ is giving us that reward. It will be a day like no other. And that's why the Bible tells us to store our treasure up in heaven, not here, but in heaven. It doesn't say store your treasure up in your garage with a bunch of classic cars or in your closet with a bunch of fancy clothes. It says store your treasure in heaven. Why? That's where the moth and rust will not corrupt it. That's where when we're at the judgment seat, we're not being judged uh, in a penalty sense, right? Because we've been saved by Jesus. So so we've been saved by Jesus, we've been saved by the blood of Jesus, and we accept Jesus as Savior, which is the first thing we must do, uh, is accept Jesus as Savior. And once we're saved, amen, then we get the reward. We are given uh, just rewards for our good behavior for the Lord, what we did, our conduct for the Lord, what we did for the Lord, what we did out of love. Finally, it's your choice. What did Jesus choose? Christ chose to die for our sins and with the death, burial, and resurrection, He saved us from an eternity of damnation in hell. The just for the unjust, the holy for the unholy. Think about how pointless it is to suffer in the world. Why do it? Temptation leads to sin, which leads to distance from God, to suffering and depression and isolation. Trust me, I've been there. Think about how fruitful it is to suffer for God uh, for God's sake as Christ suffered. How? In all the ways we see, being marginalized and being mocked, being excluded, and in some countries, even arrested or killed. Matthew Henry's commentary sums it up well. We sanctify God before others when our conduct invites and encourages them to glorify and honor Him. Who's Him? That's Jesus. How? Through our actions. So as we live, let's live so that others can see Christ in us, And as we suffer well, people will see the glory of God within us because they will know that no man could do that on their own, and they will look to God, and it'll be a form of evangelism as well as what God expects of us. So make the choice today to forsake the things of this world for endless beauty and rewards in Christ.
0: Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.